wasn't too terribly nervous until then. <laughs> uh, this is a crazy time of the semester as uh, students, leadership, and liberty are beginning to descend upon Lynchburg. Freshmen, of which three of you are in here for liberty, I think, or somewhere around here, are going to be coming in next week. So uh, we couldn't figure out, we, we wanted to do this earlier in the summer. Uh, but then we just pushed it right up to this day. And uh, it's kind of like leaving the 99 to go after the one, except not really, because there's five people, five students. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys, three at Liberty, one at Lynchburg College, and one at Randolph. And uh, that's, you know, if it was just one at Liberty, it probably wouldn't make it. But uh, <laughs> five students, uh, including Randolph and Lynchburg College, I'm making a trip to Williamsburg uh, for that, so um, I'm, I'm happy to be here, uh, happy to get connected with parents, students, and um, and I uh, look forward to you guys arriving to the other bird, uh, the, the Hill City, if you will. Um, thankful to be here. Have an aunt here, my cousin's here. That's that's exciting. Stayed with them last night. Good excuse to visit them as well. Um, and uh, we, we're excited about God at work in Lynchburg. Um, you guys have been painting this as like, he's the RUF minister for the whole city. Well, that's just, that's how it looks on paper, you know, but, uh, but we're, we're attempting that. And um, we're, we're thankful we actually have a meeting space on campus at Liberty. This could be our second year on campus at Liberty. Um, it looks like in the prayer chapel. So those of you that are coming from other campuses, it's easy to find that park right next to it. Um, we're, we're meeting there. We're welcome there, there. That's just been a wonderful thing. It's, been, uh, it's our eighth year uh, starting there, our second year on campus. Uh, we're, we're excited about that. Going to be going through Genesis 1 through 11 uh, this semester. And uh, just appreciate it. Your prayers uh, for Lynchburg. One of our PCA churches, Redeemer, is in transition. Um, with their pastor, uh, Mike Sherry, stepping down after 33 years of, of ministry. Um, he's going to uh, do another kind of ministry. Um, we're going to have Mercy Presbyterian where, where our family worships for River and Boris. So I'm thankful for the connectivity of the church. And uh, that we're all in this together, members of the same body, whether it's Williamsburg or Lynchburg. Um, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Our scripture reading is appropriate for this time of year, especially if you're in education, you're a campus minister, you're a student going back to school. A good, appropriate passage from Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, and we're going to read to verse 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not obeyed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The grass withers, flowers fade, the word of our God does indeed stand forever. Let's pray and ask God to teach us. Father, we thank you that your Son, the Lord Jesus, loves your people so much that he gave us this sermon, and that he addressed the very thing that we tend to worry about and be concerned about and struggle with, the very things that we worry about, he called them out and he addressed them, and he points us to your own righteousness and to his own righteousness. I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and minds and teach us. I pray for those here who are checking out Christianity, maybe grew up around Christianity, but aren't quite sure about it. Maybe invited here by a friend. I, I pray, God, that you would, through your word, unfold for them the Lord Jesus as beautiful and as believable. And I pray that we would all grow in grace this morning casting our cares upon you because you care for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. I once saw a sermon series by a well-known preacher, and the title of the sermon series, which is sermons being sold online, is Anxiety-Free Living. And then the teaser Underneath the title, Anxiety-Free Living, was Master the Skill of Anxiety-Free Living. It is within your reach. So I've mastered it, and I'm here to you. <laughs> my money back, right? You know? <laughs> the truth is, like, I can't preach a, I can't preach a sermon 
like that. Like if there was a series called Anxiety Full Living, I would be able to share with you for hours. <laughs> but not anxiety free living. It's August, and I'm a campus minister. And if you're a teacher or you work in education in some way, if you're a student and it's back to school, then you know what August means. My birthday, unfortunately, is August 26. Right? It's the worst birthday ever. Like it was always like the first day of school. <laughs> Even after this is my 15th year of doing campus ministry. And there is still great anxiety about the semester. What if students don't show up at all? What if no one gives the RUF? And that's the end, right? What if the graphic designer does not get these graphics done, which she has not yet? <laughs> and there's nothing to hand out these, uh, these student prayers, you know, I'm just sitting there like, come on, RUF! I love reading Shel Silverstein to my daughter. My son's only two. Uh, he got he got slighted. He wasn't in here. Uh, I have a son, Jameson. Uh, he'll get he'll get to Shel Silverstein too. But my daughter, so we love Shel Silverstein. And there's a poem that he wrote called "What If." Beautifully captures anxiety in a poem. Here it is. Shel Silverstein, what if? He says, last night while I lay thinking there, some what ifs crawled inside my ear and pranced and partied all night long and sang their dumb old what if song. What if I'm dumb in school? What if they close the swimming pool? What if I get beat up? What if there's poison in my cup? What if I stop, start to cry? What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk the test? What if green hair goes on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? What if I don't grow tall? What if my head starts getting smaller? What if the fish won't bite? What if the wind tears up my kite? What if they start a war? What if my parents get divorced? What if the bus is late? What if my teeth don't grow in straight? What if I tear my pants, and what if I never learned to dance? Everything seems well, and then the nighttime what ifs strike me. I love that poem because sometimes what ifs can be very irrational. Like the green hair on my chest, never heard of it. Heard a lot of things in campus ministry, haven't heard the green hair on my chest. But very rational. Things as well. So, uh, what if my parents get divorced? And maybe you worry about things or are anxious about things that are completely unrational, but not always. We tell each other what at the beginning of the semester have a great semester. I hope you have a great year, right? But sometimes your year is a nightmare. And your worst anxieties get played out before you accidents and tragedies, and unexpected illness. Like, it's like, can God be good when these calamities just might occur? Like, what if the things that I'm anxious about, like, when we have wonderful counseling where we can sort of, like, bring every thought 
captive and say, like, that's ridiculous that I'm thinking about that, right? But sometimes it's not ridiculous. Like, sometimes it's things that really could and really do happen. What are your what ifs this morning? If you're having trouble thinking about what they are, the very things that keep you from engaging in worship or keep you from listening to the sermon, even. Yeah. Maybe I triggered them, like with the poem. Or just the snakes. Maybe it is great here on the chest. The truth is, there is no such thing as anxiety free Not in what Ecclesiastes calls life under the sun, life in this broken world. Whether you are a believer and you love Jesus, or you're not a believer and you're running away from Jesus, all of us together experience anxiety when it comes to living in life under the sun. And it's not just a problem of our modern complex world, right? Sometimes we're like, the world is so different than when we were kids. We weren't anxious about anything at all. But anxiety, like, it really has a history. In fact, I found this quote from St. Macarius of Egypt in the 4th century. He bluntly said this, I am convinced that not even the apostles, Although filled with the Holy Spirit, we're therefore completely free from anxiety. And I love this where he gets blunt. Contrary to the stupid view expressed by some, <laughs> the advent of grace does not mean the immediate deliverance of anxiety. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus coming to his followers and saying, here's our sort of marching orders. Here is what my kingdom looks like as it goes out, as you go out and live in the world. And Jesus, because he knows that there is no immediate deliverance from anxiety, Jesus doesn't gather the disciples around and say, then there's anxiety, thank God you guys are saved and you don't struggle with that stuff. So let's go on. Like, now he addresses and he spends time talking about anxiety for those who follow him and for you and for me this morning. And here's what he says in verse 25. Are you ready for this? Here's what he says Do not be anxious. And what if you, think about that for a minute. Like, what if you came up to me after the service, and you're like, you know, this what is, you know, I, just, I got something I need to share with you, can you, can you go and sit with me at lunch, I just want to, I, I want to unload this on you, and so you can help me and counsel me. And what if, like, in the middle of you just bearing your soul to me, like, for some reason you did, like, even though you had just met me, like, you really didn't even need me to serve me speak. But you are fearing your soul to me, like unloading your what ifs. And what if in the middle of that you got the sense that I wasn't really listening to you? Uh, and then kind of like right in the middle, I was just like, let me interrupt you right there. I'm just gonna tell you something. Don't be anxious. Stop. It's 
is ridiculous. What you're doing is destructively ridiculous. Stop being anxious. Right? How would you feel about that? Probably like you want to uh, argue about that's terrible. Like I don't know what Dennis was saying about them. They're awful. Like you can't tell them anything. Like I, I want a better. I want someone that will listen to me. Right? Angry. But consider the source. Like if the words "Don't be anxious" come from me, who doesn't really know who you are, that's one thing. But what if the words, do not be anxious, come from Jesus? Jesus, who was tempted in every way that you and I are, and yet without sin. Jesus, who loves you so much that he left the riches of glory, he left his Father's throne above, he made himself nothing, he humbled himself, in obedience to his Father's will, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, who created all things, he was there at his Father's side at creation, and in him all things hold together. Jesus, who stayed away in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, Father, if it was possible, let this cup of wrath pass from me, nevertheless, your will be done. Jesus, who sweated drops of blood in anxiety. Jesus, the man of sorrows. Jesus, who governs and preserves all his creatures and all their actions. <coughs> Consider the source. If I tell you, don't be anxious quickly, that doesn't mean I'm alive. But if Jesus, the Lord, says don't be anxious, then that should be everything. And what does Jesus say about anxiety in this passage? Besides don't, don't be anxious. He kind of gives us a lot of backdrop here. We're going to look at two of the things. Number one, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story. And number two, we have a good father. First point is brief. There's a bigger story. What do we eat? What do we wear? Now, in the category, sort of like uh, if, if we unpack this, we do a little taking every thought captive kind of thing, uh, a little uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, like kind of deconstructing things, like. In the category of rational and irrational, where is what do we need and what do we need? Pretty, pretty rational stuff, right? Pretty basic stuff. Back to school, clothes, right? What are we going to wear? And Jesus addresses those things by saying this, life is more than food. Life is more than food. There's a bigger story that's even bigger than these basic necessities that you're anxious about, that you're worried about. There's a bigger story to you. Think about what you're anxious about this morning. It's not life more than being thin, 
Is not life more than other people's opinion of you? Is not life more than about what you can control or can't control? Is not life more than your sexuality? Is not life more than getting things done or more than being on time? Is not life more than, and you see there's this whole big story context that surrounds our anxiety that God is at work and that we can trust the Father to provide for us and care for us. These things aren't everything. God is everything. And these things have their place underneath his control and his sovereignty. So, so there's a bigger story. God is sovereign. But God is not just sovereign. God is good. And that's the second point. We have a good father. Verse 26 through 33. Even if you have the best counselor in the world, the best pastor in the world, in the world that really listens to you, that really seems to understand, no one knows your needs. No one knows my needs better than our heavenly father. He is well acquainted with all the miseries in this life that you and I go through because he himself went through them in the second person of the Trinity, in the person of his son, Jesus. Uh, my dad, uh, my aunt's brother, who's here this morning, he's nearing the twilight of his life. He struggles with dementia. And some of you are well acquainted with such a horrible disease. Like he usually has no idea where he is a lot of times. And sometimes my mom wakes up and she's his mom, and sometimes she's his wife. Um, and so he's, he goes in and out. But one of my visits with him this summer, we had a beautiful moment that I was ready. Um, I was laying there with him, and he and I holding hands together. That's what he likes to do, just lay there and hold hands. Uh, and he asked me, uh, with tears, has there been anything you've needed that I haven't been able to provide? Do you know what he's saying? Am I a good father? Am I a good dad? Have I been a good dad? I said, no, Dad, you should not. You're a good dad. You're a picture to me of my heavenly father in the way that you provide for me. And Jesus refers to that very picture in the very next chapter of the sermon. And he's talking about man and my father. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Maybe you're here this morning and you have an awful relationship with your dad. Like you've never had it. You've been for having a conversation like that with your dad. You've never had that. 
rest assured, your heavenly Father and my heavenly Father is a good, is a good Father, and He knows how to lavish good gifts of His grace upon His children. He loves to be active, and He loves to give, and He loves to give lavishly to those who ask. Anxiety comes, and anxiety can strike. As I said before, like this is like a 15th year of doing campus ministry, and there's still anxiety. Why? Because even though, like, you look back and God has been faithful through all kinds of junk, God has been faithful, anxiety is that sense of, like, will he continue to be faithful in the future? Right? Can I rely upon him, as John Piper talked about, for future grace? Can I? Trust him for future grace. I came across this prayer from Thomas Merton. And I love how the prayer begins. It says this, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I wouldn't have prayed that so much when I was 18. Right? He says, I do not see the road ahead of me. I do not know for certain where it will end. You and I don't know if we're going to have a good year or a bad year, a good semester or a bad semester, a good day or a bad day. can't see where we're going. Those are the words of someone who's walked with God for a long time. Right? We can pray like that. But there is that old hymn waiting to see here. I do not know the way I go, but oh, I know my God. His love will never fail. Meditate upon that phrase today and as you think about it throughout this week. Your Father knows. He knows what you need. And He will. There's that future tense that we long for, right? He will provide. He loves His children. And he loves to lavish good gifts on His children. Imagine you're on the hillside there listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and you're anxious. And he says, look at the birds and the flowers. I don't know about you, but when I get anxious, I don't run outside to look at the birds and the flowers. I don't have time to look at the birds and the flowers. You know, like, it's August, right? It's crazy. I can't look at the birds and the flowers. He's like, no, no, no. Sit and watch. And look at those flowers. And look at those birds. And in verse 28 says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, referring back to King Solomon, he was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, how much more will He not clothe you, O you of little faith? Those of you that you look at sort of this back to school thing, like maybe you have some anxiety about what you will wear, just know that doesn't go away when you're 40. You know, right? It still happens. Like I went to my closet the other day and was like. Oh, you know, even though the closet's full of stuff, like you're just like, I need to get some clothes, man. I've been wearing these for you know 
the 90s call. <laughs> but our greatest need is not like what we wear, cool says, whatever. Our greatest need, Jesus gives at the heart of the new song, is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. See first his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. If you look to Jesus in faith, if you trust in Jesus, if you rest upon Jesus, if those vows that we heard Christinia affirm are your vows and you've made those vows, then you can know that you are clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. That Jesus is, he not only died for you, but he lived for you for 33 years. And all of that obedience, and all of that goodness is given to you, and you are clothed with it. That's what you are wearing. You're wearing perfection. Even as you continue to struggle with anxiety, even as the advent of Christ hasn't taken anxiety, away, you can know that your Father sees you as perfect, that Jesus earned your righteousness and earned goodness in your place and took your sin upon the cross and gave you his perfection. So you can seek first his righteousness. Consider for a minute that that is true. Because it is. How do you and I live differently? Enlightenment. If you look to Jesus in faith, your focus, even though anxiety flares up inside your head, your focus can change from all these waters that are tormenting inside your mind. And what might happen to who you are as you belong to Jesus? And that Jesus belongs to you. So don't think so much of what might happen bad today or what might happen bad this semester. As the old hymn says, think about this. Think what spirit dwells within you. Think what Father's smiles are on. God the Father sings loudly of you, rejoicing in you. Think that Jesus died for you. Child of heaven, canst thou repine? And as you think upon these things, you continue, if you struggle with clinical anxiety, continue to take your medication, continue to go to counseling. All that stuff this is not in place of it. As you think about these things, like it frees you to begin to be concerned about someone other than you. As you start this new school year. Isn't it true? Like sometimes our kids come in and they're like, I think everybody in there was looking at me. Now they might be looking at themselves, but yeah. But this actually frees you to look outward 
and love and serve others as Jesus himself is loved and served in the world. He's given his life for you and lived life in your place because God the Father loved you and lavishes his grace upon you. Let's pray. Father, we long for the freedom that you offer us in the gospel. We long to receive Jesus as he offers himself to us this morning. We thank you for that righteousness that Jesus died to make so that we can be clothed in it. We thank you that we can come to you not in spite of our words, but with our words and the messes that we are. Just as messy children come to their parents, you love to give them gifts to their sons. We give you praise and thanks for that. Pray for those this morning that are struggling with terrible things. Their anxiety is rational and real. And for those with irrational anxieties, God, just comfort for us with the truth of the gospel. We pray this all in Jesus' name.